SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. I'm your host, Ariel Epstein. We are here until noon Eastern time, getting you ready for the weekend, building up your bankroll here on this Friday, getting you set for all the winnings that hopefully you get to do as we have football. We have NFL preseason. We've got Major League Baseball. We are a week away from week zero in college football as well. It is going to be a crazy next few days, especially because we're hearing rumblings out of college football that there may be some new developments and how they're going to shift the way that the landscape looks. I do have to start with what happened last night. And when we have the director of trading at the FanDuel Sportsbook, John Sheeran, on later this hour, I'm sure he'll tell us all that went down between the line flipping before kickoff yesterday. It was the NFL preseason week two kickoff last night between the Eagles and the Patriots. First off, I should have never been sweating this bet out. I had the under 38 and a half in the game. Ben had the Patriots in the game. He was never sweating. Ben was never sweating this game with the Patriots winning 35 nothing. The line did flip going into kickoff. It was minus two and a half Patriots, and it goes to the Patriots plus one. However, Ben... Ben Stevens, what the heck happened yesterday where the Patriots, okay, fine, you win. You get your you got your Patriots bet. Who would have thought they would have scored over 30 points in this game and nearly hit the over on their own? Ariel, this is why the FanDuel Sportsbook is the best. And when we speak to John Sheeran, maybe we can ask him a couple questions. You know John loves when we present him with new opportunities the FanDuel Sportsbook needs. Now, preseason, they have so many ways to win. They have some first half totals last weekend. What we need now is team totals for the NFL preseason because that's how you could have dissected last night. You could have taken an Eagles under even of the hook. And it would have hit if you would have taken a Pats over of like a 21 and a half or a 17 and a half. It would have gone way over. But the total overall for the game was a sweat because the Pats just kept kept scoring, even though the Eagles put up a goose egg in their game against the Patriots. As far as the money line goes, well, that was never a sweat. From the second that Joe Flacco came out there for the opening series and that snap went over his head, that led to a fumble and set up the Pats pretty deep in Eagles territory, I felt pretty good about how that game would go on the money line and got a much better price by the time I bet it. Not when I gave out the TB up at around 12 Eastern yesterday, but waited till about 6 o'clock before that game, about an hour and a half prior to kick, when the Patriots became the money line underdog, they got even money at a point, minus 105, even money at minus 110 prior to kick, closing at minus 105. So you could have had a better price on one of the easiest money line bets you will ever have to make. You mentioned how it was Joe Flacco when he came out for the Eagles. No starting quarterback for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, in the game. Reportedly, he went to the hospital before kickoff, was dealing with stomach issues, apparently had a stomach infection. That's why you didn't see Jalen Hurts in yesterday's game. Negative for COVID-19. Then what I didn't understand is why this line ended up flipping 
after the news of Jalen Hurts. You would think that it would have made the Patriots even heavier favorites, knowing that the Patriots had both of their players that you know they, that are up for the starting job, Cam Newton and Mac Jones. Yet the line flipped against New England. Now, there are situations in the regular season where you will see an overreaction to injuries. We see that a lot in the NBA also. Sometimes the line just overreacts. Welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience. First hour here on the morning after Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Despite Jalen Hurts going to the hospital for stomach issues yesterday, the line still flipped in favor of the Eagles yesterday before kickoff. That was what was most confusing. Now, yesterday, the Patriots did play well. Cam Newton went for eight, uh, eight for nine with 103 yards and a touchdown. Then on the flip side, you see uh, Mac Jones. I keep trying. I don't know why my brain keeps combining Cam Jones. I don't know why I keep doing this. Oh. I have to stop myself. Cam Newton, eight for nine, 103 yards and a touchdown. Mac Jones, 13 of 19, 146 yards, no touchdowns. Ben, the Patriots offense looked really good or... Did the Eagles' defense just look that bad? Well, Ariel, also give yourself some credit. Cam and Mac, the two quarterbacks in contention for that starting job in New England, that's a palindrome, right? When you switch it around, it's the same word. So give yourself some credit there. I think when we speak about the Eagles, one of the biggest things about that line flip is what you asked. Why? Because prior to the game, we knew what the quarterback depth chart would look like for both teams. The biggest material change was Jalen Hurts, but he was out there in full equipment prior to pregame warmups. He was looking good. He was dancing around. He was feeling himself. And then pretty much right as kickoff happened is when we got the notice on Jalen Hurts not playing and Joe Flacco took the field. That's what aroused suspicion. But by that time, the line had already been set. It had already closed. So I don't understand the line flip in general throughout the day. We knew Cam was going to play a decent amount. We knew Mac would play a majority of the game for the Pats. We expected Jalen Hurts to play a quarter and then go to Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins. So I don't understand the line flip. But one thing we need to point out about the New England Patriots, a perfect 2-0 so far this preseason. Look at their rushing attack. 179 yards and two touchdowns in week number one against Washington. Last night, 207 yards rushing as a team in four rushing scores. This is going to be the Patriots team. I think we will see not just in the preseason, but the regular season as well. Relying on that defense who pitched a shutout last night and attacking it with the ground game. Ramondre Stevenson, get to know the name. Four touchdowns so far for the rookie from Oklahoma this preseason. That's exactly what the cap was. Ground and pound for the offense for the Patriots. Defense going to be really good this year. My question just is, can the Patriots put up 30-plus points when they're up against a better defense than the Philadelphia Eagles? Coming up next, Major League Baseball from a gambling perspective. What happened yesterday? It was pretty crazy. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Major League Baseball favorites went seven and three straight up yesterday. 
one of those favorites that prevailed, the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays beat the Baltimore Orioles 7-2 to yesterday in Camden Yards. The Rays go over their team total of 5.5, which Ben and I called out yesterday that the FanDuel Sportsbook was very off on that number. The Orioles lost by five runs, marking the 15th straight loss by two or more runs. It's the longest streak since 1900. The Rays were minus 390 on the money line. Ben, to just see a normal Major League Baseball game, that it's a near minus 400 money line. It's that's insane in itself. I mean, things look terrible in Baltimore. You just look at a box score. You look at the standings on whatever website you use to look at your baseball stats and you see 15 straight losses for the O's. And then you look at that graphic we just put up and it's 15 straight losses by multiple runs, the longest such streak in Major League Baseball history since 1900 in the modern era. How much worse can things get for Baltimore? I will be in Baltimore this weekend when the Orioles return home to Camden Yards. It is not a much better site in Baltimore, Ariel, because they have the worst home record in all of Major League Baseball, 17-37 and 37 inside the friendly or not-so-friendly confines of Camden Yards this year. Tonight, they are a plus-215 underdog against the Atlanta Braves. And like you mentioned, we called it out. The numbers seem too small. Five and a half for Tampa's team total. A Tampa team that in six straight games against the Orioles had scored over nine runs per game. Five and a half still seem too small. And of course, the Rays going over that number with seven runs yesterday. That means in the last seven games against Baltimore, the Tampa Bay Rays have averaged 9.3 runs scored per game. Tampa runs Baltimore. Pretty much everybody runs the Orioles at this moment. 15 straight losses all by multiple runs, which means they're not even covering on the run line in this terrible streak. It's pretty bad. And the Orioles, as you mentioned, going back to Camden Yards tonight, it's going to probably get worse considering they're home to the second most overs in Major League Baseball. Keeping it in the American League East, the New York Yankees are heating up. They've been heating up since the second half started. The Yankees beat the Twins 7-5. You're talking about the dominance of the Rays over the Orioles? The Yankees' dominance over the Twins never changes. The Yankees were minus 250 on the money line. The total goes over 9. The Yankees go over their team total of 6. Yankees are averaging about eight runs per game against Minnesota this year, and the Yankees win their seventh straight game, Ben. The best record in Major League Baseball since the All-Star break. Still five games back of those Tampa Bay Rays, though, in the American League East. That's because Tampa had to play Baltimore, so that's a pretty good sign. Plus 370 are the pinstripes in the AL East Divisional Odds of the FanDuel Sportsbook. But, Ariel, this is our recurring segment here where day by day we look at the Yankees' odds to win the American League pennant, and they get shorter and shorter. Two days ago, they were plus 800 to win the AL pennant. Earlier this week, they were plus 1,100. So from 1,100 to 800 to plus 700 yesterday to today, after winning seven straight games in that win over the Twins yesterday, plus 600. So they have gone down by a dollar in the past 48 hours over the last two days each and every day. The Yankees continuing to win, and their odds continuing to get shorter on the FanDuel Sportsbook. 
That's the craziest, is looking at that American League. The American League East, you could look at. The Yankees have passed the Red Sox in regards to the odds for winning the American League East. The Rays are just heavy favorites at minus 240. The Yankees sitting at plus 370, and the Red Sox are at plus 650. It was just a few weeks ago where the Yankees had longer odds than the Red Sox. It was more 3-1 to one range for Boston than 4-1 to one range for the Yankees. Now that flipped. Keeping it in the American League, the Angels beat the Tigers 13-10 to 10 yesterday in a high score game. The Angels end up cashing minus 110 on the money line. It was a major comeback for the Angels. Yesterday, they end up matching the franchise record for overcoming an eight-run deficit, and the last time that happened was August 29th of 1986 against Detroit. Irony that it's the same team. The Angels trailed in that game 11-3 in the seventh inning and won 13-12, and now uh, the Angels getting that win 13-10. It's like deja vu all over again from something that happened in the 80s. The Angels with the comeback, Ben. I mean, the Angels not really the most playoff-bound team, yet for Shohei Otani purposes, for hitting the over of 9.5 and, and cashing in on that minus 110 money line, which is a pretty short money line, hey, the Angels with the comeback over the Tigers. Listen, I'm very happy this game resulted the way it did. The Angels getting a win in thrilling fashion, 13-10 to 10 over the Tigers. But I am very happy that it resulted that way. And I did not speak up yesterday during our Major League Baseball pick segment of our show because I was looking at that total, 9.5. That game at Comerica Park yesterday in Detroit, home to the second most unders in all of Major League Baseball. The, the day before, it was a 3-1 Angels win. So I looked at that and I said, oh, that might be an area to take an under of a game today between the Tigers and the Angels because the Angels have a very high over percentage in Anaheim, but that drops drastically on the road for the Angels this year. So I looked at that game. I thought maybe that's an under. Thankfully, I didn't speak up because 23 runs going over the total of nine and a half, certainly not an under. No, thankfully, I bet that Angels team total under two days ago as opposed to yesterday. Going into the National League, the Cincinnati Reds beat the Miami Marlins 6-1. to The Reds were heavy favorites. They cashed the minus 320 on the money line. The story has continued to be the all-star, the veteran, Joey Votto. Votto hit his 27th home run yesterday for Cincinnati. He is now hitting 340 in the last 30 days, Ben. He has been absolutely red hot since the all-star break look at the stats for joey Votto in 31 games since the all-star break 16 home runs 39 rbis 336 average and 802 slugging percentage he had 11 home runs prior to the all-star break he has 16 home runs in the 31 games since the break and it is a big reason with joey Votto being red hot that the reds themselves are now just one game back of that second and final NL wildcard spot trailing the San Diego Padres. The Padres were off yesterday, so the Reds able to make up a half game in the standings with that win. So now when you look at things here, San Diego has lost seven of their last ten. The Reds' offense has been scorching, led behind the bat of Joey Votto. And our very own Craig Mish, Ariel, came on this show yesterday, just about 24 hours ago. And he said, a name to look out for. In the National League MVP market, yes, Fernando Tatis Jr. is the odds-on favorite, and rightfully so, most likely to win the award. But if you're looking for value, if you're looking for a dark horse, look no further than Joey Votto. Craig estimated it was somewhere between 40-1 to 1 to 50-1 to 1 yesterday on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Today, after the performance last night, Joey Votto's 16th home run in the last 31 games, his 27th this Major League Baseball season, Joey Votto is currently 
30 to 1, plus 3,000 on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the NL MVP. His odds getting shorter by the day. That's the fifth shortest odds at the moment, so still providing that value in the National League MVP market. And Ariel, as we know, with whatever MVP award you have across the gamut of sports, it is a narrative-driven award. Probably none more so than Major League Baseball, where baseball writers love to flex the fact that they have influence in voting for postseason awards. So now you have Joey Votto, that if he is able to lead this Reds team back into the postseason to get that National League wildcard spot at his advanced veteran stage for how hot he has been down the home stretch, Joey Votto, a character, a personable guy that everybody loves around the world of baseball, a note to keep out for great looks by Craig Mish pointing that out yesterday to give you that value on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Mish always beating the market. You want to guess what the odds were for the Padres to not make the playoffs in the preseason? Oh, I like that. Plus 590. Ooh, really close. Plus 540. Ooh. San Diego Padres oh, did not make the playoffs. That was really close. I'm impressed. Yeah, the Padres were the team everyone thought was coming out of that National League West as the second team behind the Dodgers. San Francisco Giants proving otherwise. As for the Cincinnati Reds, the Reds' odds to make the playoffs in the preseason. Do you want to guess those? Make the po- okay. I would say plus 225. Close again, plus 205 for the Reds to make the playoffs. Those were the preseason odds snapshotted back in March, or like around spring training time. Coming up next, we've got more updates from the NFL. There's updates from training camp, in addition to taking a look at some of the odds for preseason week two. Stay here on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. In NFL training camp yesterday, things got really heated. There were a couple of fights, which the four head coaches, the two on each side, decided to go very differently in their approach. First, let's start with the Raiders and the Rams, who got into a fight twice at training camp yesterday for their mixed practice. Punches were thrown, helmets, four starts and stops. I mean, it was a mess. The Raiders head coach, John Gruden, end up sending his team to the bus, ends up saying in the hotel, quote, that's enough of that crap about an hour later, and said it was pretty immature of a lot of his team to do this. Now, these two teams get to play each other out there on the field this weekend, with the Raiders laying six and a half points at the Rams. The total's at 35. Ben, how much of this fire and heat do you take into your handicap? I absolutely love the fire and heat. I love seeing some print preseason training camp scuffles. I love when we get a couple tussles in camp. But that being said, when you have these joint practices, you almost expect it. I feel like it has to be a part of the practice plan, the game plan. And I know John Gruden and John McVay were not a fan of what they saw yesterday getting out of hand. It was ugly. There was multiple scuffles. They kept coming back to fights pretty much every play. 
leading to the end of practice and practice being called. So I think you do take that into consideration, especially if you have some of those scuffles between the reserves, which in this case is important for the Los Angeles Rams. Because as we know, with Sean McVay and his preseason plans, he does not play his starters. He does not care about the preseason. John Gruden, on the other hand, necessarily does. And he looks at it as an opportunity to get that experience for some of his starters. We did not see Marcus Mariota, who's dealing with injury last week. We did not see Derek Carr, the starter for the Raiders at quarterback last week. But I think you can look at this game and you see that spread. Like you mentioned, the Raiders favored by six and a half. It is tied for the largest spread all weekend long. Pittsburgh also favored by six and a half. And then you look at the total. And it's interesting when you correlate the spread to the total. The Raiders favored by six and a half. But the total's a little bit smaller. It's only 35 points. So how does that work into, a, into advance with each other? I think you look at the Rams, some of those reserves, if they were in those scuffles yesterday, maybe wanting to prove a point. So that might be where I look and take that into the handicap for this game this weekend. Because when you have those joint practices and they get a little heated, I think it can carry over to the preseason games. I also like to take a lot of the press conferences, take them into my handicap. When a coach goes out there and calls out his team the same way we saw with the New York Mets in baseball and their owner Steve Cohen calling them out offensively, the same thing happened to the Titans yesterday. Their head coach Mike Brabel said afterwards, after practice, that practice, quote, sucked. Felt they didn't do well on offense, struggled some on defense, said, quote, I'm sure we're good at some things, but just not enough. Uh Ben, when I see that a head coach is calling out his team, and there was also a fight in this practice, too, between the Bucks and the Titans, which resulted in Antonio Brown getting thrown out of practice early. No surprise. Tennessee's at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay laying one point in the preseason game. The total's 35 and a half. I love this, and I'm going to talk about this game in our happy hour segment when we break down week two of the preseason. Tennessee, I hope that they're amped up for their preseason game because their coach called them out and said, you guys suck. It makes no sense that Tampa Bay is a one-point favorite despite the fact that practice has sucked for the Tennessee Titans the last couple of days. Tampa's not playing their starters. Bruce Arians has already announced that. I think one of the reasons practice has sucked for Tennessee is a lot of their starters in these joint practices have not been there. You look at guys like Julio Jones. He sat out of practice. A.J. Brown, his counterpart in that wide receiver room, also sat out sat out of practice but might they be available for this weekend's preseason game that's where I think you find the value in the line and TB still being favored by one doesn't make a ton of sense to me I think it's something you'll expound on in our happy hour picks 16 sessions zero with full starting rosters for the Tennessee Titans coming up next we welcome in our MSG audience we're going to talk about the Jets we're going to talk about the Giants there were some key injuries to the Jets yesterday we'll see if it impacted the lines at all you're listening here on Sirius XM channel 204 be back in 15 seconds Welcome to our MSG audience here in the first hour of the morning after on SportsGrid. We're also on Sirius XM, Channel 204, and the Mad 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. The New York Jets are in action this weekend for their second preseason game, and they're going up against the Green Bay Packers. The Jets are laying two and a half points against Green Bay on the road. That total is sitting at 31 and a half. The Jets just had two big injuries happen yesterday, with one of them resulting in their defensive end, Carl Lawson. 
he's going to miss the entire 21 season due to a leg injury. Ben, when you lose two defensive players, you lose your defensive end, you lose a safety. For the New York Jets, who need all the help they can get on defense to keep their offense, their very young offense in games, this was probably, especially Lawson, the biggest loss we've seen yet. A huge, huge blow for the New York Jets yesterday to lose Carl Lawson coming over from Cincinnati. One of the biggest free agency acquisitions really across the NFL when you look along that defensive side of the ball, but especially for the New York Jets. Carl Lawson, a guy that had five and a half sacks last year for the Bengals, 32 quarterback hits. A guy that has been good in his four-year NFL career in that edge rusher position, something the Jets wanted to add to that defensive line up front, especially under new head coach Robert Salah, who was a very defensive-minded head coach. So a tough blow yesterday, a torn Achilles out for the entirety of the year. And then you compound that with Zane Lewis, a safety who was going to be a part of that defensive backfield for New York. Not a good day of practice heading into week number two of the preseason. As you mentioned, the Jets on the road in Wisconsin taking on the Green Bay Packers. But Ariel, we have seen tons, and I mean tons, of line movement in this game. Not dictated by the Jets' injuries yesterday, but by the Green Bay Packers' quarterback situation. Of course, Aaron Rodgers will not play. Jordan Love, who was good week number one, will not play week number two, dealing with some shoulder stiffness despite a clean MRI. That means Kurt Benkert, one of the best names in all of the NFL, is starting for the Green Bay Packers on Saturday. The Jets opened up as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. They currently sit as a two-and-a-half-point road favorite in Green Bay, and the total has dropped drastically from 34 where it opened, also pretty small, all the way down to 31 and a half, the smallest total across all of the NFL preseason week number two slate. So the injuries to the Jets, not dictating this line movement. You look at their team win total, still at six. The over has slight juice at minus 115, but the lack of quarterback depth for the Green Bay Packers is what has moved this line tremendously. So flipping past zero, New York now favored by two and a half. You wonder how much the Jets' offense can improve going into week two of the preseason. They did have Zach Wilson play in game one. He went six of nine, 63 yards, not a lot of playing time. The Jets only put up 12 points on the Giants. The Jets coming off a 12-7 win from week season, uh, week season, preseason week one. And the Packers lost 26-7 to the Texans at home. Neither team putting up more uh, offensive production, Ben. And that, to me, is where I'd have to look, maybe an under, unless you think otherwise that the Jets offense could get going and we see more playing time for their rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson. Well, I think one of the things when you look at this total, and we discussed it last week with Yanni the Greek, is if you miss your best number, don't go chasing it. If you would have got the under of 34 where it opened, kudos to you. Now at 31 and a half, the under is a little bit dicey because despite the fact that the Jets only scored 12 points and didn't look great offensively, their quarterback depth behind Zach Wilson, a little bit questionable at this time. The Packers only scoring seven, despite Jordan Love looking good, and now just have Kurt Benkert. Yeah, it might be an under game. You might still stay under 31 and a half. Is the bet that wise, though, now, having missed your best number? I wouldn't go contrarian. I wouldn't take the over now of a smaller total at 31 and a half. I might just stay away from that total and look to the side of the Jets favored by two and a half because I think Zach Wilson will get some good run in this game, maybe an entire first half for the rookie quarterback for New York. 
I can't wait to start teasing NFL regular season games. The Giants are on the road at the Cleveland Browns, and the Browns go from four-point to five-and-a-half-point favorites. The Browns are coming off a win, 23-13, on the road at the Jaguars. The Giants, as I mentioned before, are coming off that 12-7 loss to the New York Jets. Didn't see starting quarterbacks for either team for either of those Week 1 games, Ben. No Daniel Jones for the Giants last week, and it was Case Keenum last week for the Browns instead of Baker Mayfield. How do you see this game going? Do you think we see more starters? Well, that's the interesting part, right? I was surfing through, trying to dive through beat reporter reports, any kind of training camp news and notes we got out of either of these teams. Definitively, I can't say definitively. That's not the right used word to use here. But when you look at the Cleveland Browns, it seems like they will not play their starters at all, really, this preseason. If they do, it is going to be sparingly. At least we have those notes. We can't really see anything right now on Daniel Jones. I was surfing through the internet trying to find something on DJ, on Danny Dimes, and not really any indication on if he will play week number two. You would think that heading into week, or year number three of his NFL career, they would want to give him some of those preseason reps. He's not like an established veteran that doesn't need that experience at this point. So you would think he would be out there. Of course, we're not going to see Saquon Barkley. They've had some injury concerns with Kenny Galladay. Kadarius Toney has been limited in practice for the Giants offense. So there's a lot of question marks around the Giants here. At least we have a little bit more certainty on what the Cleveland Browns are going to do. And that most likely meaning they're not going to play a lot of their starters on either side of the ball. If I'm looking at this game, for the spread to work in the favor of the Browns is interesting because the Browns were really, really good last week against the Jaguars. The line last week moved in favor of Jacksonville, and it seemed like the right move with Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew going out there. But Kyle Aletta, who came in second for the Browns last week, had one of the best performances of week number one. 212 yards, two touchdowns. So an interesting game. I might stay away from the Giants and Browns. Well, Letta, I know. I was looking at that. Wow. Two touchdowns for him and over 200 passing yards. Good for Letta. Case Keenum, 12 of 17 for 115 passing yards. Coming up next, Director of Training at the FanDuel Sportsbook, John Jaren. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, the Director of Training at the FanDuel Sportsbook, John Sheeran. John, I have to start with last night's NFL preseason game. Yesterday we saw this line flip. The Patriots were initially favored in the game, and then it flipped over to them being a one-point underdog before kickoff. Despite the news to the quarterback for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, not even playing in yesterday's game due to a stomach illness, what was it that made the book flip this line against New England? Uh, I really no idea. <laughs> um, I wasn't in the office yesterday, so I wasn't really ac across um, what the situation was in terms of like who was starting and what the issue was with Jalen Hurts. So uh, I really can't give you any answer to that question, unfortunately. John, we have 15 preseason games, two tonight, a bunch on Saturday, a couple on Sunday, one on Monday night football as well. 
What do you expect the action to look like for week two of the preseason? Yeah, I think it's starting to ramp up now. Um, the volumes, at least for, for the upcoming weekend's games, are, are definitely uh, starting to creep up at this stage already. So I think people are priming themselves for the start of the NFL season. So I expect to see big demand, and, and I don't think we're going to be disappointed this weekend. When it comes to the futures market in the NFL, John, there's one team that stands out, and I just don't know why. The Vegas Raiders moved from 41-1 to to 37-1 to in the Super Bowl market. I've even seen their win total go up by the hook. What is it about Vegas that's attracting betters? I have no idea. Um, I, I don't understand that they were fighting at uh, training, and Gruden put them all on the bus yesterday. So... Unless uh, unless that's got anything to do with it, I really don't know. I can't see how uh, those guys are going to be competitive this year. Sure, they've got some nice players, but yeah, I don't think they're anywhere near winning anything. John, a team that stands out to me a little bit is the Minnesota Vikings because they were the darling of the NFC North through a good portion of the offseason when Aaron Rodgers' future in Green Bay was still uncertain. They were taking in some money there, especially leading up to that announcement from Aaron Rodgers. How does it look in the book now on the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, they're just not a team that really attracts a lot of um, volume. I know we spoke um, a couple of weeks ago before um, or just after Aaron Rodgers had come back to Green Bay. And although we'd contracted the price rightfully so, we hadn't really seen a whole lot of action on the Vikings, even in the division. So uh, I think people are willing to give them a pass this year. And I think if they were to go on and win a Super Bowl, that'd be an excellent result for us. John, I've already placed a week one bet for the regular season. I know a few other people that did. What game are you seeing week one that's getting the most attention? Um, I don't really know. Um, I think the one that interests me most is San Francisco. Do you want one you bet? But I think seven and a half for the uh, the Niners, uh, that's a line to me that I can't see dropping underneath that bar. We get some injury news between now and kickoff. So uh, that's the one that I'm a little bit wary of. I see that drifting towards San Francisco. So that would be the only advice I'd give anyone on week one uh, this far out. Listen, if John Sheeran gives you any advice, even if it's that small sample on San Francisco for week one NFL football, you take it and you run with it. So, John, obviously, preseason week number two, we don't overreact, especially from a sportsbook perspective, to the results we see in any preseason game. But it's a great display for the rookie quarterbacks who have a lot of notoriety. Trevor Lawrence for Jacksonville. Of course, Justin Fields for Chicago. Trey Lance for the Niners, Zach Wilson for the Jets. They expect to get some good playing time this week in preseason week number two. How will that affect the rookie of the year futures market we have on FanDuel? Yeah, I think we spoke about it last week. I think it's right that, you know, when we see these guys, their performance will impact um, their uh, rookie of the year um, award price. And uh, I think we saw that with Trey Lance. We saw it with Justin Fields last week and there's no reason it won't be one of the others stepping up this week obviously you have to consider you know how likely are these guys to get playing time significant playing time um i think in chicago for example justin fields was um put back in his place this week by qb1 so uh, let's see how it goes let's see how it plays out but like i said uh, definitely paying a lot of attention to what's happening in the preseason uh, and then let's kind of see how week one unfolds and, and take it from there. But these guys are showing their capabilities and talents. And, you know, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of them heavily involved in, in, uh, in the regular season as well. Keeping it in the football world, but I want to switch to college football. For the Heisman Trophy race, where have you seen money come in on, John? 
not really one that's um, centered in on anybody specifically. Um, we were even talking about it the other day, and it's kind of hard to um, pick somebody out that offers a bit of value right now. Um, the Alabama quarterback is one that I thought was just a little bit big, given you know how likely it is um, that if Alabama were to go on and win a college championship, um, he's going to have to play well. So. Him at about 12 to 1, I thought was interesting given that Alabama were plus 250. It's one I've been meaning to speak to the traders about a little closely. Actually, I, I think the correlation between those two things happening should be a little bit tighter. John, we also had the first preseason AP poll for college football come out on Monday. It's certainly correlated to the national championship futures market. What did you see from the preseason AP top 25, and did it relate to all to what you guys had for the national championships? Yeah, it's not something we really give a whole lot of credence. I'm not interested in what um, journalists or, you know, rankings rate teams. We have our own process for doing exactly that in-house. And uh, will we pay it a bit of attention? Not really. I love it because you have to look to odds makers. I mean, they are. The odds makers have become the true journalists. There's no bias. You've got to get it right, John, or else, hey, opinions really don't matter when you're booking these lines. I do want to ask you about um, Major League Baseball because kind of opinions could play a role. Coming up in September, it's probably going to be one of the tougher months to go and bet Major League Baseball. You have really bad teams that are pretty much their seasons are out to then really good teams who are fighting for top spots, whether it's making the playoffs, whether it's winning a division. How do you make sure that you still attract betters without making – I mean, these lines are probably going to hit minus 350, minus 400 when you get teams like the Rays and the Orioles playing each other. Uh, yeah, it's difficult, but motivation is a key factor of performance in sport, and it's no difference in, in September – for the team, the teams that have been eliminated, uh, for the bad teams, and you know they'll spring enough of a shock every now and then to keep us okay at minus three and minus four hundred, and you know it's, it's not be interested in betting those heavy favorites, those sort of odds. A team that have got nothing to lose. Sometimes they play with more freedom. Sometimes it's just the swing of, you know, one bat that makes the difference. So uh, we'll book them at the odds and the probabilities that we think that they have of winning the game and. I'm sure we'll get enough upsets within that to make sure that it's profitable from our perspective. John, when you see those heavy lines, when you see the Dodgers favored by minus 275, yesterday the Rays minus 390, do you see any more action on the prop market, whether it be a strikeout prop or maybe a player performance double? Yeah, I think, you know, part of the reason those markets are there and some of the derivatives, obviously the run line is, is to kind of give people um, uh, better odds in terms of, betting the selection that they want without having to lay the heavy juice for, for just the money line. So undoubtedly in those games, you see people migrate to other markets and look for, you know, better uh, odds on or, or uh, even some plus money on some of the other derivatives. So, uh, yeah, I think that's fair for sure. But I think what you do see, you know, is increased, increased parlay volume on those heavy favorites combined and people trying to get them up to around plus 100 to put two or three of them together wouldn't be very unusual. Keeping it to the New York area, the New York Yankees have been the hottest team since the All-Star break. John, the odds continue to move in the Yankees' favor. Just earlier this week, they were 11-1 to to win the American League. Now they're sitting at 6-1 to on FanDuel. I know you mentioned to us earlier you didn't want to overreact to the hot streak, yet the odds are moving in their favor. What do you see out of this Yankees team that's made you move these lines? Yeah, I th well, we spoke about it actually when they were about 20-1, to I remember, and... and 
yeah, look, the Yankees had underperformed, but they've got enough talent. They've had obviously really bad injury luck over the last couple of seasons. And, you know, these things tend to find their water level. And I think that's what we're seeing with the Yankees. They're obviously on a really good run since the All-Star break. They've got the talent. We know the question's always been pitching. Uh, They're a little bit light in that uh, part of the field. But, like, once they get that addressed, I've no doubt this Yankees team are capable of putting it up to any team in a Major League Baseball. It's just so happens that we've got increased exposure on them because their odds had drifted to such high odds. And we've seen it with Yankees fans before. They won't let, you know, periods of bad performance put them off. And I think we've, you know, built up our exposure on the Yankees uh, as a result of that. So, yeah, we'll live with it if they come back. I think they're good for baseball, good for TV. And uh, usually those things mean that they're good for betting too. John, out of the four favorites right now to win the American League pennant, the Houston Astros, the Chicago White Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, and of course, like you mentioned, a huge exposure on the New York Yankees. What would be the best result for the FanDuel Sportsbook? Um, I haven't looked at anything outside of the Yankees, to be honest with you. Uh, I'll have a quick look and see if I can find it here while I'm talking. Normally, um, let me see. Put me on the spot now. The Astros, I think, where they came from are probably the best results. Uh, the Rays also pretty good. Those two are very similar in the field book. And like I said, a heavy bias against the Yankees in terms of profitability. That one will sting a bit if they get up. That's really interesting you say that because those are the two teams I would have expected for a lot of people to be betting. The Rays, the Astros. These are two teams that have playoff experience and have been up there at the top of the American League all year. And, of course, the bias towards the East Coast as you've always mentioned with FanDuel and the Yankees, it makes sense. Switching over to the National League, the National League West is so intriguing, and you guys at FanDuel have continued to book the Dodgers in the minus money despite the Giants still being the favorites to win the division at this point. What about the Dodgers? And now they have won 11 of their last 12 games. How come the book has said, we are not stopping with this Dodgers team. We are riding the train, and even though the Giants are the favorites, we are not going to move the Dodgers into plus money. Why? Why not? Probably because they're the best team in baseball. They've got the best roster from top to bottom. And like we said earlier, short-term volatility isn't something we want to get caught up on. It would have been easy to you know, lose sight of it and, and go ahead and get on the run that the Giants have gotten on. And like I said, they may well go on and collect right now. But for us, the Dodgers, and I think... You know, you're starting to see that with those 11 wins in the last 12 games start to come back to where you expect them to be. And it'll be a tight race, but I've no doubt the Dodgers will get there. John, like you mentioned, the Dodgers have won seven straight, like Ariel alluded to, always been in minus money. Now they are the favorites once again to win the NL West on the FanDuel Sportsbook, minus 125, the Giants minus 110. Is this the most movement you can remember in a short span for a division in baseball? Uh, I, I really don't know. I haven't paid that much attention to how much the swings have been in, in the other divisions versus this one. So, yeah, I'm not sure. But like I said, we've always had a lot of faith in the Dodgers. And, you know, there's been a lot of money for the Giants as they continually attracted money when people had similar opinions to what Ariel has just alluded to. And, you know, for us um, to be able to kind of just about break even and should the Dodgers go on and win the division will be uh, pretty um, pretty satisfactory. It's funny because in a 60-game season, we thought that it would look a lot like the first 60 games of this season. Thought 
weird teams like the Giants would end up prevailing. The right teams just know when to turn it on at the right time. The Dodgers, the Yankees, they're turning it on at the right time as we get closer to the postseason. Director of Training at the FanDuel Sportsbook, John Sheeran, thank you for joining us again on this Friday. Have a good weekend. We'll see you again next week. Thank you, guys. Coming up next, Ben and I are going to close out our number one here on the morning after. We have our Fade the Public poll. Let's see how much the market overreacted to last night's NFL preseason game. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We've got you covered until noon Eastern time right here on the grid. So don't go anywhere. Get the edge. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out hour one here on the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get to our poll. It's time for Fade the Public. After the New England Patriots beat the Philadelphia Eagles 35 to nothing yesterday, I wanted to see if the market was going to overreact. So the question was with the win total of nine on FanDuel, over, under, or push for the New England Patriots. The public has said over. Just over 42% of the people say that they believe the Patriots will have over nine wins this year. Ben, are you fading the public? Yes, I'm fading the public. I'm even fading the book in a way because the over of that nine that the public loves right there is juiced to minus 140 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I get it. New England has been impressive in their two preseason games. I have cashed two tickets backing the Patriots in one form or fashion in the first two weeks. I feel good about the Pats too, but there's still a quarterback competition, or at least seemingly so. Cam Newton should be the starter, but Mac Jones is waiting in the wings. And yes, the defense is good, and the ground game has looked fantastic in the preseason, but it's still preseason. They're still playing the Washington football team's backups for the most part week number one. And this Philly team, I mean, goodness, there was a lot of questions you had about an Eagles team yesterday whose team win total, by the way, even at its best for the regular season, is six and a half. So I don't understand the nine. They also have the second longest odds to win their own division in the AFC East. The Patriots team win total has been one on the book that has always confounded me a little bit more than the rest, especially when you add in that juice to the over at minus 140. I mean, if they go eight, nine, it's a pretty good year. At most, I think they push. I don't think they go over. So yes. I am fading the public. That number at eight and nine sounds so bizarre. Still, I can't get over this whole over 16 games record. I I think under, I'm going with under for the Patriots win total. Even though they looked really good offensively against this really bad Eagles defense, I don't see the Patriots being able to keep up offensively with the rest of the league. Defensively, yeah, they can. This isn't Tom Brady's offense. This is Cam Newton. Coming up next is hour number two on the morning after. Breaking news out of college football this morning. We'll talk about it on the other side of the update. You're listening here on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network.